Paul, thank you very much. Good evening. Good to see you. Um, and uh, as, as Paul said, we are starting a new series tonight called Kingdom Basics. And uh, really, we felt um, it was time as a, as a staff, we all got together and we were praying about what to do in, the, in September in a sense that it was time to explore afresh, to remind ourselves and even maybe discover for the first time some of the basics of the kingdom, which is this concept that Jesus preached about, that he inaugurated uh, in his ministry while he was here on earth, and the one that he will come and consummate when he returns at the climax of our history. And so our topic is that of healing and kingdom healing. And uh, healing, as modeled by Jesus, there are a lot of different um, ideas and, and people teach a lot of different things on it. But when we look at how Jesus modeled it, we see that he linked it directly to mission. See, Jesus went about proclaiming this message of salvation and demonstrating it through miraculous works. He gathers his disciples around him to involve them in his mission and then he, he ups the ante. He then says, now go and further my mission. I remember uh, I grew up in a church, and, and I, I don't know why, but we just didn't believe in this stuff. And uh, didn't, certainly didn't believe in healing, thought it was reserved for guys in really expensive suits on God TV. Or, or just, you know, uh, it just wasn't anything I had experienced. And uh, it was when I came to England 12 years ago, today actually. Uh, there used to be a member of the congregation who worked in the border agency and well, thank you if there are any of you here for letting me in the country. Uh, I remember I met uh, these British Christians who believed that that call to do what Jesus did and to say what he did applied and applies to his disciples today. And it literally changed, uh, changed my life to the point where I was walking through Croydon one day to Lunar House to get my my visa to stay in the country a little bit longer. And I came across a beggar and uh, we got into a conversation and I just asked him, you know, how did you get here? Tell me a bit about your story. And, and he did. He told me that he'd fallen out with his parents and he'd, that's how he ended up on the street. And I noticed he was wearing a cross. So I asked him, uh, you know, do you have a faith? And uh, he said, yes, I, I grew up, I'm going to a Catholic church. And I just said to him, I said, look, Jesus is looking to restore your relationship with him and even restore the relationship that's been broken between you and your family. Uh, he was badly jaundiced. Um, I, you couldn't, there were no whites in his eyes. It was yellow. His skin was yellow. It was just, it was bad. And uh, he said, would you pray for me? And so I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, come Holy Spirit. And it blew me away. Um, the yellow drained from his eyes and then from his skin. And then the conversation turned. I happened to have a why Jesus in my pocket. And I explained to him uh, that Jesus came not to condemn him, but to give him life. And uh, that God was looking to pour his grace and his mercy into his life. And that maybe it was time to go home. And, but he should do an alpha course first. And uh, anyway, after a bit of more of a chat, we parted ways. And you see, if we're to further Jesus' mission, and this is the whole point. This is the whole reason why we're talking about healing. We need to do two things, and it's what he invites the 12 uh, disciples to do in our, pa in our passage this evening. He invites us firstly to receive, and then he, he invites us to go in order to give. 
So let me read to us from Matthew chapter 10 on page 975. I'm just going to read the first 11 verses. So why don't you look down with me and follow along. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Now just look down again at verse 1. It is incredible. He calls his 12 disciples to him. And what does he do? He gives them authority. Now I guess they were expecting to be given the authority to speak on behalf of Jesus. But he goes a step further and he gives them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And in passing on, what he's doing is he's passing on this authority that he has wielded so powerfully in word and deed since chapter 5. Their ministry, in fact, if you look and and compare how the ministry of Jesus is, is described in there, as you see that Matthew, who wrote the gospel is presenting the ministry of the disciples uh, as, as a parallel to the ministry of Jesus. In fact, these are, listen to these words that describe Jesus' mission as one of teaching and preaching and healing. You'll see that in a moment it's repeated in the description of his disciples. This is from Matthew four twenty three. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That's Jesus. Now look down at verses 7 and 8, page 975, Matthew 10. This is the description of the disciples. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. The disciples are to go and preach to heal every disease. Matthew's making it plain that the disciples of Jesus share his calling, share his authority, share his mission. They are to do and to preach what Jesus did and Jesus preached. Uh, I went on a short-term mission for seven days to a very exotic location near the mean streets of Staines in a small town of Chertsey in Surrey. Anyone from Chertsey? No? Yeah, wow. Sophie, great. Didn't know that. Anyway, we were there for a week, and we had a night on apologetics, which was an interesting mix. It was on uh, why believe in God when there's so much suffering in the world. And the the plan was simple. Uh, They had someone smarter than me talk about the case for faith in the midst of suffering. And then we had a prayer ministry team to pray for anyone who was suffering who'd come. The idea being that we would preach the gospel and, and then pray for the sick and I was I was given you know leaflet duty so I wasn't in the prayer ministry team and I'd seen it happen 
And I went home that night to the, where I was being billeted to the, my host, and she was really upset because she had wanted to come to the event, yes, to hear the talk, but more importantly, to receive prayer because she suffered really dramatically from hay fever, uh, which doesn't sound that dramatic, but if you've ever had it badly, your eyes swell up, and it's, it's pretty bad. And, but anyway, I'd seen the team pray. So I put my hand on her shoulder. I said, come, Holy Spirit. Hay fever, go. You know, Jesus gives this wonderful model of how to pray. Uh, Lord, let your kingdom come in their body as it is in heaven. And she went to bed that night. She woke up the next day, no hay fever. A year later, I bumped into her, no hay fever. We need to receive from Jesus if we are to build his kingdom. And how it works is the authority of Jesus that we are given works in tandem with the power of the Spirit in response to the prayer of the disciples. So if you are a follower of Jesus, the truth is is that your prayers are powerful and effective. Well, you see, we need empowering if we are to build God's kingdom. We need to receive. We need to receive. The second thing the disciples receive is instruction. The disciples had been learning on the go. They'd been receiving training. They'd been watching Jesus at work. And um, since Matthew chapter 4, the disciples had heard Jesus uh, give the great Sermon on the Mount. But in addition to that, they'd seen him interact with people. They'd seen Jesus heal, in fact, touch a man with leprosy. And in doing that, they'd seen a new kind of holiness that doesn't get dirty, but a holiness that heals the sick, that purifies the unclean. They, they see an exchange between Jesus and a centurion that is so profound on faith that without Jesus needing to lay hands on the centurion's servant, he is healed. Um, they get to Peter's house, and his mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jesus heals her, and they, they then fill the house that night, and more people are ministered to in power. They see Jesus calm a storm. They see him heal two demon-possessed men, and they see more and more and more. In fact, uh, if you look at the Gospels, you'll see that 25% of them, a quarter of the Gospel narratives, are all about healing. And so here we are with the 12 disciples. They've heard the gospel proclaimed. They've seen it demonstrated. And now it's their turn to go out and to heal in Jesus' name as a sign of his message, which is one of grace and mercy. They'd seen Jesus demonstrate this with kindness, with grace, with humility, and with a servant heart. The implication being that his disciples are to act as he acted, and just as importantly, to love as he loved. And that's the main thing. The truth is, everyone that Jesus prayed for died. But in that encounter with Jesus, they encountered something of the love of God that was so powerful, so profound, it changed the course of their life for eternity. I remember I was walking down to church uh, one Sunday morning. It was 8. It was early. There was only one other person on Battersea Rise. I was going down. She was coming up, and I saw she had a limp. And, you know, I, I wasn't trying to stare, but when there's only one person in the street, it's hard not to look at them, right? And uh, I really felt God prompt me to stop and to offer to pray for her. So I crossed the road, and I was going down. I did what I normally did. 
I walked past. Uh, I just lost my nerve. And uh, you see, a lot of people uh, talk about risk-taking, and they do it because they're impulsive. And that's not really what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach you to get impulsive all of a sudden. Jesus invites us to take risks. I mean, I am so, such the opposite of, I'm so risk-averse, I'm not even good at spontaneity. In fact, you could ask my wife who's here, I have to plan in time in my diary to be spontaneous. All right, that's where I'm coming from. But the invitation by Jesus is to step out because you've got a big vision of God. And so I walked past this woman and I thought, I can't speak on healing um, this morning uh, with any integrity if I don't pray for this woman. So she, I'd walk past, so I turned around, started going up the hill. Then I was approaching, I thought, nobody ever likes being addressed from behind. So I walked past her again. And then uh, when I just about, I thought, okay, Larley, pull yourself together. If you don't do this now, you'll have to leave the ministry. I turned around, she'd gone into Tesco's. And I thought, oh, great. I now have an audience. So I walked in, and she was about to get a croissant. You know, they, they have those just there. And I said, excuse me, ma'am, my name's Dave. And I'm on my way to church, I'm a minister, and uh, I felt prompted to pray for you. And in fact, I believe God may have given me insight that there might be a problem with your hip. And she said, that is so kind, thank you so much. There's absolutely nothing wrong with my hip. My leg was amputated a month ago, and the prosthetic doesn't fit properly. I would so love you to pray. (laughs) I went, oh dear God. (laughs) Why me? You know, um, I'm just trying to be obedient here. And anyway, I, clo- I close my eyes. And, you know, there's closing your eyes and there's really closing your eyes. And I, 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 I prayed for her and, and I didn't want to open my eyes. So I wasn't sure what I was going to find. And when I opened my eyes, she was in floods of tears. And I said, um, ma'am, how do you feel? I said, oh, I feel the same except everything's different. I have, when you prayed for me, which is the most profound thing anyone's ever done, I was filled with a love that I've never, ever felt before. And I said, oh, that would be Jesus. And, uh, you know, she comes, she, came, she comes from Northern Ireland, and she still lives on Battersea Rise, and I see her from time to time. She's been to a few services, and, you know, she's changed. And that's the main point, is that when we pray with the authority of Jesus... It's that they feel loved. Everything else is a bonus. So we need to receive. We need to receive authority. We need to receive uh, training. And then we need to go. We need to go in order to give away what we've received. And just look down with me in verses 6 and 7 of Matthew chapter 10. And in case you closed your Bibles, it's page 975. And it says this, Go, rather, to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Who goes? All of them, full stop. They weren't all evangelists by temperament, but they're all sent to do and say what Jesus did and said. Regarding 10 of the names that we read out earlier, we don't, uh, of, of the 10 of the 12, we have no idea if they ever preached a sermon. But they all went out on mission. They weren't evangelists, but they were witnesses. And so, you know, for you tonight, the pressure's off. You don't need to be an evangelist. You are, however, a witness. A witness 
who's been given the authority of heaven. To whom do they go? Now, this is a bit technical, but they're actually, Jesus limits where they're to go because he's doing a specific thing uh, to establish his ministry. So he gives them a very um, exact location to go to. But if you read on to the end of Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, he, Jesus sends his disciples to go to the ends of the earth to reach every tribe, every nation with this message of hope. And so we see here, who to whom do they go? Well, they go to the lost. They go to the distressed and they go to the poor. And often it's those, that combination of those three who respond so quickly to the good news. You can be poor and have a lot of money. We've seen a lot of that. We've seen a poverty of purpose. We've seen poverty of... of um, of spirit, which is what Jesus talks about. We've seen a poverty of direction. What do I do with my life? There's so many, you know, we, we've got lots of examples at the moment. We go, go to the needy and go to the distressed and bring them this message of grace and of mercy. And what will their going look like? Well, sometimes it embraces a whole town or village. Look down with me at verse 11. Whatever town or village you enter... For some, it was a whole community. Others, it will sometimes mean a public meeting, like in verse 7. It may even mean in the open air. As you go, again in verse 7, preach. It's incredible. You know, Jesus was an open air preacher, albeit winter in Israel. is not quite like winter in London. Fair, fair point. So maybe, you know, maybe that's a factor. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. But what about his followers? We see that as they went, we see that sometimes it involved a visit in a house. It it sometimes involves personal conversations. And the point is that Jesus sends out his disciples in all that variety of roles. Receive, go, and give. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Religion makes us think that we need to better ourselves. We need to work hard at our own behavior and get to a, a level of perfection where we will be able to, to almost rise up in our spirit and meet God. And Jesus came with a radical message. He said, God has come near. God has taken the initiative. It's no longer about what you do, but it's what God has done. And here he is before you. God has come to you. Preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. And then demonstrated by healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing those who have leprosy, and driving out demons. A day will come which will be the climax of our history where Jesus will return. And he talks about this kingdom, the kingdom that we're part of. And it's important to realize as we discuss these basics of the kingdom, that there is a future aspect of the kingdom and there is a present aspect of the kingdom. The future aspect looks to a decisive event in history when Jesus returns to consummate the kingdom that he inaugurated when he was on the earth. And on that day, all weeping will end, all suffering will end. He will make all things new. 
The dead will rise from the grave to new, to eternal life. Those who are still living, their bodies will come under the full redemptive power of God and be, be made uh, just incredible. That is coming. It's not here yet. We have to wait. And we don't know how long it'll take, but it's coming. But Jesus also spoke of the present aspect. He said that the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of heaven has drawn near. And what he says by that is that something of what's coming, an anticipation of that future glory, can be known today. We can't have all of it, but we can have some of it. And we can pray today for something of what's coming to make itself known, to to be realized in our life. And Jesus demonstrated the present reality of the kingdom and all that he did in his ministry. In order to do this, you and I, as the disciples of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, no assumptions here tonight. If you're not, tonight would be a great night to become one. But if we are to follow this agenda of not only preaching, saying what Jesus said, but doing what he did, we have to do two things. We have to firstly embrace the mystery that comes in choosing to live by faith. Where you pray for healing. When you're not guaranteed results. The guarantee is that when Jesus returns, all will be made new. There's no guarantee when we pray now. And so you have to embrace the mystery. To pray for healing. Our responsibility is to pray. God's responsibility is whatever comes next. And there will be times, and some of you have seen them and lived through them and wept through them, when you have prayed for healing and the truth be known, if you were God, you would have healed that person, but your prayers were left unanswered. And the only way to navigate that is to embrace the mystery and to realize that you are not God, but that God is God, and we know what he's like through who Jesus is. We know that he's good. We know he's compassionate. And we do not understand why our prayers are not answered. And we have to process the emotion, the disappointment. We have to, process, we have to grieve. We have to weep. And then we have to turn back to Scripture and to realize that this chapter I've just read to you from, there is a standard that has been set. It is the standard of Scripture What many Christians in this country have done and I have seen is that they have looked at the standard of Scripture, they have looked at their own prayers, they have seen a discrepancy, and they have lowered the standard of Scripture to suit their experience. In my my understanding, that is not biblical. That is just changing what you believe to suit what you see. That's called being a feeler. Guided by what you feel, what you know. It's not being guided by belief. It's not about being a believer. And so we have to embrace the mystery and we have to embrace the standard of Scripture to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I do not understand why you have not answered my prayers in the past, but I trust you. And I'm going to carry on and I'm going to pursue the standard that you've set in Scripture and press in for more of God. And so we receive and we go in order to give it away. And it's all free.
Now, in a moment, we're going to pray so you all receive authority, but first I've got to train you. So I've asked for volunteers. If you can come forward, that'd be great. Should be four of you. That's right. Come on up. Thank you. Some of you, I, all of you, I sprung in in the last moment. And I chose you because, um, yeah, come on up. Just, just here. Um, with the exception of Matt, I, I was the only, Matt was the only one I said, look, if you do, really don't want to do this, that's fine. But everyone else I chose because I didn't think they'd say no to me. Uh, guilt really isn't meant to be used, but, you know, in a situation like this, it helps. So the whole point of doing this is to be yourself. And it's a simple, simple way to pray. Um, it's not about hype, so we don't have the band playing at the back. So this will not be uh, in any way uh, hyped up or, or orchestrated. We're not going to manipulate you through soft, subtle music um, in any way. There will be no funny voices, and there will be no pressure whatsoever. In fact, if you don't like what you see, you can leave, and there's no, I, I, won't, uh, it's, I won't, won't bother me. The second thing is the most important thing of how we pray is that the person we pray for feels loved. Thirdly, I spoke about the prompting of the Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit prompts us, and it's like a butterfly landing on your shoulder. It's soft. It almost, you could almost miss it. And that we often call that a word of knowledge. And it comes in the following forms. It could be a, a mental image that comes into your mind. Uh, it could be a sympathy pain. It could be an impression it can be uh, some, uh, 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 you could actually some have a word that goes to their mind. And uh, once you get that, you then pray. And so they've had no prep. This is live. I'm going to pray that God would give the four of them a word of knowledge uh, that would indicate an area where God is looking to minister his healing amongst you. Okay? So let's pray. Uh, Father, we've been looking at this call to join in the mission of your son and to further it by demonstrating the gospel. And so we ask now that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you'd inspire um, Dan, Lauren, Joe, and Matt and give them a word of knowledge. Amen. Okay, well, ladies first, Joe, um, what, did, what did you get come up with? Um, a knee uh, that potentially is kind of like cramping or it's kind of like some sort of tightening on a knee. Great. Knee. Anyone here with that kind of a bad knee, left or right? Both. Okay, so we've got two. Just raise a hand just to help us see. Fantastic. You see how that came? Okay, great. Lauren. Um, if anyone has a headache on the left side of their head. Pain in the head on the left side. Anyone? Yeah, over here. Great. This isn't a science, by the way. These guys are amazing. They're just stepping out in faith. Um, mostly because I bullied them a little bit. But Matt, uh, how about you? Uh, hearing. So uh, maybe something that's not been long-term. So like, yeah. Anyone with hearing trouble? Maybe, yeah, one... Anyone else? So these lights are a bit bright. Okay. And then finally, Dan. Um, as soon as I got on the stage, I had a, a sharp pain in my left knee. And my knees are fine, but I think that's probably for someone else. Okay, sympathy pain. The left knee. Any, well, you, your knees, you've already, some have already indicated. Okay, great. 
Uh, I had, um, in the worship, I had two things. I had one was someone with a problem with the rotator cuff, the shoulder. Uh, you guys are great. Thank you. Can we give them a round of applause? Amazing. Um, a problem with the rotator cuff and the shoulder, either the left or the right. Anyone with shoulder problems? One, two, okay, a few more. Great. Okay, so let me pray. In the name of Jesus, receive the authority of Jesus to speak the gospel and to demonstrate the gospel. Amen. You've all received the authority and you've all received the training. So if you would like prayer for anything that's been mentioned, just raise a hand. Okay, and stand, would you? It'd be really helpful if you just stand. No pressure. If you just like to sit out, that's fine, but do stand. Uh, great. So we've got a few here. Anyone else? Obviously, if your knees are in trouble, um, don't stand, but just raise a hand. Okay, great. Fantastic. Okay, so those of you who are seated, you've been uh, deputized, so why don't you stand and find someone to pray for. Uh, you've received the authority, you've received the training, uh, and now we're just going to do that. Uh, my favorite prayer on this, which is actually the only one that, that, um, that I have, is, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so why don't you uh, make sure everyone who wants prayer, and don't worry, if you're just observing for the first round, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll press in a little bit more. But uh, just ask them what they'd like prayer for, and then uh, go ahead and pray. Please don't feel you need to use devotional voices. Uh, and don't shout at them either. That's a, that is a bit strange. Uh, but just use your normal tone voice so that they can hear you. Okay? So why don't you go ahead and pray. And if you're sat around them, uh, feel free to stretch out a hand and, uh, you know, to pray as well. We'll give